The Four Greatest Coaching Conversations. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. And welcome to Coaching for Potential. Hi, Rory. How are you? Hey, Paul. It is great to see you today, my friend. I am doing terrific in the world of COVID. Yes, yes. We are still enthusiastic about coaching. It's what you have <laughs> talked yourself into. It's what your passion is about. You still are helping people despite the um, the challenges that we have. And today I'm excited because we get to hear about the four greatest coaching conversations. That's great. Absolutely. It is a great book, uh, The Four Greatest Coaching Conversations by Jerry Connor. And he just has some absolutely terrific stuff. And I just want to give a little background about uh, Jerry and the company he works for. Uh, Jerry Connor is the he's the head of leadership for BTS. They're a consulting firm that's headquartered in Stockholm, Sweden. They focus on the business side or the people side of strategy. And BTS, their expertise is coaching, leadership development, change transformation initiatives, assessments, as well as robust digital and virtual capabilities. And this allows them to deliver their, this information to anywhere in the world. They're a wow. worldwide company. And Jerry leads their BTS's leadership practice. And he was mm. actually the founder of Coach in a Box, which is now a BTS coaching practice. And so he, they literally, BTS literally has hundreds of coaches all over the world. Wow. And what Jerry did was basically ask them for their notes so that he could use them as a foundation for a coaching study, which I found absolutely fascinating that you could do that. And they basically came down and then talked about the four different types of coaching conversations. The greatest, so right? In the conversation today, I'm actually talking to Jerry, and he's telling us uh, about the four greatest coaching conversations. But uh, BTS, he works for them. He's the head of their leadership uh, practice. And uh, he actually lives in Australia, even though BTS is – Headquartered in Stockholm, Sweden. I had never even thought about that. There's, you know, you can basically break it down into four types of conversations. What I think is really absolutely fascinating because you can sit there and say, okay, what kind of conversation is this going to be? And then you can almost get the template of which way you should approach it mm -hmm. and how you should proceed with it. So it was really, truly a fascinating kind of uh, approach. One of the biggest studies I've seen with regards to coaching and to have, you know, over 10,000 files that the PhD student could go through get their sense of it, came up with these analysis, and they came up with the four uh, coaching conversations. So I just thought it was absolutely fascinating, and he just you know, gave us a, a great sense of what are the keys to the book and how some of those ideas can help the listeners that are listening today on the podcast, how it can make them better coaches. That That's great because what you do is focus on coaching. You right. focus and try to get people to have these conversations so they can really change the culture of their organization. Absolutely, and, and, and change the trajectory of their own career. When people improve their coaching skills, I just see them absolutely rise in the organization. Managers, senior leaders take notice when managers are coaching effectively, and it's just a great opportunity for everybody to get a sense of how to improve, how to get better. If you truly want to improve your skill set, coaching is one of the greatest ways to do that, and you'll have more impact and influence in your organization and you'll also increase the trajectory of your career when you learn to coach more effectively. Well, your conversation with Jerry is interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing all of it because he, he's kind of, they call him the 
uh, Rory Rowland of Australia. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> I, I am a, I am just, I am in a the shade uh, compared to uh, Jerry. He's just absolutely terrific. He's been doing this a long, long time, and so I'm in his shade. But he, he just wrote a fascinating book, and and because of that, I just wanted to talk about it and share it with the listeners on the podcast. And I highly recommend they get a copy of it. But you're also going to notice he's got a really southern accent. You know, he's got that south of the equator uh, <laughs> southern accent. So he's got a really, really, really southern accent. So you, you, everyone will enjoy that. He's just got a great accent and just a great way of telling stories. And he's just got a great number of stories that he's going to share with us on how folks can be a better coach uh, with the four greatest coaching conversations. All right. Let's go to your conversation with Jerry Connor. So, Jerry, you've written the book, The Four Greatest Coaching Conversations. Tell me a little bit about that book and why you wrote it. Uh, hi, Rory. Yes, so I've actually been coaching for 30 years, and uh, I love coaching, fascinated by it. Um, and we were curious uh, around why a lot of people, for example, line managers um, who are passionate about coaching, really interested in people, still find it hard to find the time, get distracted, or don't have the impact they want. Um, so we wanted to look at coaching from a different angle. The way we could do that is, I think, as you said in the intro, I'm the founder of a business called Coach in a Box. Mm -hmm. um, and we were the first business to scale coaching. So we coach around 10,000 people a year. Wow. Um, interesting thing around that is because the way we've managed quality, um, we, uh, that gives us a huge source of data. So we have the data on hundreds of thousands of conversations, which is basically the needs people bring into coaching, the stuff they find most challenging. So what the book does is it looks at from that data, what are the four most common needs and how do you identify them and how in the moment do I as a coach, as a line manager respond in the most helpful way to have a big impact and particularly to have an impact that can, that can impact mindset. Love it. Absolutely love it. And because mindset is such a big factor, I think both for the coach and your team member that you're coaching. And so from your perspective, why is mindset so critical to the success of coaching? I, I mean, the, the first thing is what you tend to blame people is they don't come into coaching uh, saying, look, uh, hi, Rory, can you teach me some listening skills? Mm. People come into coaching saying, that guy, Rory, he's winding me up. I can't get through to him. Sure. Um, which is fundamentally a mindset conversation. Mm. Um, the solution to it will be looking at myself in that relationship or understanding you better. Um, it won't be by learning a new set of tactics. Um, and the interesting thing when you look about the data um, is there are relatively few mindsets that have a disproportionate impact on quite a lot of behaviors. I mean, I think the cool thing about coaching, if you do it right, is you can get right to those, which means you can help people change in a way that's sustainable um, and has a huge impact on, the, on the, their life and their effectiveness. So give me an example of somebody you've worked with, because I've coached people like that that have you know, gotten fired because they were challenging managers and they were right in people's faces and they just told people, stay in your lane. This is not, you know, it's above your pay grade. Don't challenge me on this. And that didn't work well. And they get fired. So how do you work with that person to change their mindset so that you can have a better, more effective conversation? I think there are two things in your question. So one is, uh, how do you contract, build trust, um, and, and how do you create the energy to change? Mm. Um, and the second thing is, what's the mindset that needs to shift to create the change? 
um, and both are really important. Interestingly, the way we've cut it in the book is what we, often we talk about coaching as if we're all professional coaches. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get an assignment. We're going to work with someone for three months. We're going to sit down every two weeks or whatever. In, in, as a line manager, um, what you actually experience is you experience moments of coaching. Right. Um, so you'll an experience a moment. So I, I, for example, one yesterday is uh, what we would call a, we would call it a B conversation. Okay. Um, so for example, I experienced someone yesterday who was an, who was an extrovert and, uh, um, and uh, was really getting frustrated with this whole working from home, sitting on Zoom all day um, thing to do with COVID. Okay. Um, and he was really upset. He was really frustrated, really exasperated, saying that I'm not sure I can do this anymore. Um, that's a classic coaching moment. Okay. Um, so there will be times when we get leaders um, or people coming into our lives who are, I mean, in the neuroscience, you call that triggered. Um, so in other words, they're not mm-hmm. at their best. They're feeling emotional, frustrated, exasperated, whatever you call it. And we'll experience right. those moments. Now, the way you deal with that moment is critical. Um, mm-hmm. If you do it in the right way, there's an opportunity to create a significant shift, um, a mindset shift. But what most of us want to do is we care about people. We want to make them feel better. We want to give them advice. We'd say, look, I know it's terrible. No, it's awful, isn't it? It's frustrating for all of us. We just need to hang in there or we'll give them advice or we'll set up social groups or we'll, we'll do a lot of fixing behaviors. Right. But actually, the trick is to pick the moment and then ask the right coaching questions. Mm, excellent. And so what were some of the questions you helped him with to reset his mindset from frustration to reaching out and connecting through, you know, electronic means rather than always being with people? Because extroverts always want to be around somebody. Of course. We're talking here about B, which is one of the four conversations, Okay, um, which will be when people are um, not at their best. They're unresourceful. They might have made a mistake. They're dealing with change, any of those situations. And and he was an example of that. Um, now, what you tend to find with B is there's an uncommon sense, um, which is actually people learn from adversity, but only if we let them experience adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I think can be human to do in that situation is to, is to solve, fix, um, whereas actually what you have to do is sit with the emotion. And um, so the right coaching conversations are to ask him. So in that case, um, I asked him uh, to tell me more about his exasperation. Um, I asked him to talk about what his fears are, what his concerns were. Um, and as he talked, it became here that he was telling himself, look, I'm no good virtually. I'm effective because I'm a good networker. How can I network when you're doing one-to-ones on Zoom? Actually, that means I'll be no good at my job. He had a whole bunch of fears built up around that. Mm. But the what happens from a from a psychology point of view is while they're inside our head, we can't do anything with them. Whereas as a coach, if you can help people express them, even if you do nothing more, that enables his rational brain to look at them. Um, and then as a coach, you can say, okay, so is it really true? You're not effective. Is it really true? You can't network remotely. Um, and then you can help him come to uh, an insight, a conclusion that actually he can succeed in this virtual world. Uh, but the trick is to stay with the emotion long enough to help people express their fears, concerns, feelings, and get it out there, which enables the rational part of our brain to look at it. I love that. And so what you've really done is what psychologists call reframing. You take the the issue that they're at, you let them feel the emotion, and then you help them reframe it to look at it in different perspectives so it's no longer as frightening, overwhelming, or as challenging. It truly can be an opportunity for him because now he can reach more people uh, through the electronic means, and he could, uh, you know, in a, in a one-to-one office setting, if he did that. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, it, and and I think the cool thing is actually the more we realize 
actually whenever anyone's triggered, whenever they're, they're not at their best, something's gone wrong, they're frustrated with the change, that is instantly a moment for doing that. And it, only, it doesn't need to take that long. Um, but when it's fresh, it's, it's the easiest time to do it. It's much harder to do it if you're a professional coach two weeks later than it is in that very moment. And so it's the B conversation. What, is, uh, what does B conversation stand for? Is there a, sh- a shorthand or a, a meaning for it? Uh, yes. So the four conversations we talk about are think, be, inspire, relate. So B is all about our way of being, becoming resourceful, authentic the way you are. So that classic example is where someone's not resourceful and we help them become resourceful, which is why we call it B. So that's one so of the be four resourceful. from a site. Yeah, yeah, okay. basically what that's around. So think, be resourceful, inspire, and relate. So yes. obviously you're seeing more B conversations right now in the midst of the COVID, but what are, what's the most common uh, theme that you see in normal times? So interestingly, it, it, it does actually vary by geography. So if you really? cut the data, and we did it, we had a PhD do it with us for a year. Um, if you cut the data in North America, mm-hmm. B is still the most common conversation. Okay. In uh, Europe and uh, Asia, relate is the most common conversation. And they're both common everywhere. But relatively speaking, relate is, goes up in, in Asia um, and in Europe compared to North America. Wow. Uh, you can read what you like into that, but... Uh, that's what the data says. That's very, very interesting. So tell me about a think conversation. Uh, that's another one of the four great coaching conversations. Tell me a little bit about that. What is an example of that? And how does a coach take that, that team member through it? Yeah, I like I can give you a, I can give you a business example of that one. So um, this is a while ago. We were working with, uh, you, know, uh, you know, when you go into fast food restaurants, um, it's still sometimes, but also it always used to be you, you queued up to place, you queued up to place your order and then right. you step back and you waited while they cooked up and then you queued up to pick it up. So there were two touch points, if you remember in classic fast food and still is quite often. Um, now, if you look at that from a modern point of view, if you look at that from a head office point of view, that's crazy. Like we all know that's not the right way to manage a customer experience. Right. Um, but most fast food outlets are franchises. So the franchises often open one or two restaurants. And uh, um, and uh, so what, what they were doing is they kept resisting. You can imagine you change it by ordering on your phone or having those electronic things as you come in. Or There's various different ways of getting around that. But, but And obviously the franchises have to pay something for that. So this client was struggling with how do I influence the franchisees to actually adopt a more modern way of dealing with consumers. I mean, they don't have to come in once they can get what they want, blah, blah, blah. And the interesting thing about the think conversation right. is that there's another, like a neuroscience concept. I don't know if you, your guys know it, but we call it rivers of thinking. Um, so the, the concept is basically okay. when we're, when we're young, our brains are like putty. And so we learn by making connections or neural pathways or whatever you want to call them between different things. The more experience we get, okay. the more, the deeper those connections get, which is great. So that gives us expertise. But what that means is they become rivers of thinking. Okay. So we learn how things work. So if you run a fast food outlet, you're totally used to, to customers queuing up twice effectively. That's your normal. And you would never, now, but the cleverer you are, the more attached you are to your river of thinking. Um, and therefore, you've got the cleverer you are, the better you can rationalize why you shouldn't change it. 
Um, Interesting. So the essence of the think conversation is how do you get people out of that rivers of thinking? Um, and, and interestingly, the uncommon sense is you can't usually go direct from one river of thinking to another. So Jerry, tell me more about the rivers of thinking for franchisees of fast food restaurants. So obviously a lot of these guys have been in fast food for a long time. So they're used to ways of working. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things about rivers of thinking is actually um, the cleverer you are, the more attacks you are to them because you can always rationalize the situation. You can always explain okay. why your current worldview is right, if that makes sense. So there's an inverse correlation sure. with intelligence, which is fascinating. Um, but uh, in order to break a river of thinking as a coach, you can't go directly. You can't go. It's very hard to go directly from this is the way the world works to a different one. So from you queue twice in a franchise system to you're going to order on your phone or whatever. What you generally need to do is break people's river of thinking first by getting them to hear different perspectives, different stimulus. Um, so interestingly, what, what we help the, the guy in head office from the fast food organization to do was to arrange for those franchisees to immerse themselves in different industries, different shops, hear how other people are doing it, okay. um, which is all about opening their mind. So, mm-hmm. and that's just one way of doing it. But the coaching need when you've got someone stuck in a particular way of thinking is to give them new stimulus. So they begin to see new possibilities and then you can help them coagulate around a new world. But you, you have to break that river first, if that makes sense, is the interesting thing about the think conversation. Love that. So we've talked about the conversation. We've talked about the think conversation. Uh, which one would you like to cover next, the relate or the inspire? Uh, why don't we go uh, inspire next? Okay, perfect. Tell me about a conversation on inspire. I uh, look, a classic conversation would be I was uh, uh, talking to someone who works with me who was, uh, who was overwhelmed. Um, they uh, were their quality of their work was beginning to deteriorate mm-hmm. because they were taking on too much um, and they were not prioritizing properly. And therefore they were doing, as we all know, too many things in too little time. Um, and we know the consequences of that. That's a classic inspired conversation. Excellent. And then, so uh, walk me through that. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that's overwhelmed. I've taken on too much stuff. Uh, my quality of work is going down. Walk me through that conversation. How would you help me to reset and rewire my brain to go away from doing, you know, 25 things to picking some priorities and picking those most important things to do? Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is all of Inspire Conversations, and you get them in other situations as well. For example, when people are asking for help with their career or their development or where do I want to go or setting a vision for a team or um, any of those kind of scenarios where people are looking for direction. You get mm-hmm. the inspired conversation. Um, I think the uncommon sense is when people are asking for direction, they, they often really know where they want to go themselves. Mm. Um, trick and inspire conversation is that what it can be easy to do is to, you can imagine when people are overloaded, to give people feedback on this is the impact of you being overloaded or to give them hints and tips or tell them to prioritize all the stuff all of us have done. Um, but actually the trick of inspire is to assume people know what's important and ask them questions to help them work out what's important to them. Mm. So the the trick is always to start with, okay, so when you took on this job, for example, um, why did you take it on? What difference were you wanting to make? What was most important to you? What do you think is critical here? What are your values? What Any of those kind of questions are brilliant ones to start that conversation. Um, And then what you do is you tap into what a psychologist calls, a Sagioli calls our higher self, Mm -hmm. Um, 
which is their uh, uh, people's own sense of what's important, um, and it allows them to actually make choices from that point of view, which is an infinitely better way of helping people in any of those scenarios when they're looking for direction. I love it. That really goes back to Simon Sinek wrote a book called uh, Start With Why, and that's really what you're doing there with the Inspire is people have pulled away from their purpose. They've pulled away from what they're what what yeah. really drives them and what focuses them. And you're saying, let's step back. Let's look at that. What are the things that you really want to do so that you can uh, get in the right direction? Yeah, totally. Uh, totally. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And so we've talked about the inspire, the think, and the be. The last one is relating. And tell me a little bit about, you know, what are the challenges for the folks there and what kind of things do you take them through with the conversation and coaching with the relating? Yeah, I mean, most of us are going to get this all the time. So we'll get people coming up with, uh, relationships they find challenging, people they want to influence, I'm struggling with my line manager, um, how do I give feedback, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole work is a social experience, um, and a lot of our highs mm-hmm. and lows are to do with relationships with other people. Um, so that's where the relate conversation comes in. The uh, the uncommon sense around it is uh, is actually that uh, if you think about relate, what we tend to do, so I can give you another example. So, for example, we are, I was working with a tech company, working with a, an engineering manager to so the guys who do the, the, the build the products, do the programming, all got PhDs, really bright, um, really live, grew up with the business, proud about the products and the essence of it and uh, was getting exasperated by the, 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 the regional sales lead who was promising things to customers that the, 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 the engineering lead thought were crazy. Okay. Um, you, you know that classic situation. Um, sure. Get now, the interesting thing in those conversations is people come to us asking for help with influencing, um, and they usually need help with empathizing. And uh, so what uh, there's a, what you tend to find is if you look at the data um, and you analyze it by what's going on in the, what's going wrong in the relationships that people bring, around 20% of the time or less, it's to do with people getting their story straight, getting their message right. How do I communicate? How do I say what I want to say? Around 30% it's because people are on transmit, not receive mode. But 50% of the time it's because some judgments or assumptions on behalf of the person you're coaching are getting in the way of the relationship, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. if we don't address that first, you really rarely help them. So when you're in the relate conversation, almost always the best I don't mean the first question you ask, because normally you have to empathize a little bit first, but the, the best powerful conversation is really to ask people, okay, so so what do you imagine the head of sales thinks and feels about you, about the situation? What's important to them? We ask questions to help people get in the other party's shoes and then solve the question from that perspective. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. There's a mindset shift around this, which uh, like all of us know logically that people are different, you need to empathize. But we're so bought up in, you know, treat people how you want to be treated or whatever. Um, right. We, we find it really hard to genuinely look at the world from other people's perspectives. Um, and so as a coach, when we can do that, we're much more likely to help people get a breakthrough, whatever the output they want, whether it's to be able to give a difficult conversation, to influence, to engage, build a relationship. Still, that's almost always the best place to start. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you, you really said something profound there for me to really, for us to have influence as a coach, we've got to have empathy. And if we want to teach people how to coach effectively, we need to teach them that empathy plays such an important role in their process of being able to be an effective coach. Absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing about Relate is obviously we teach it to 
ourselves as coaches before we teach it to other people. This is the essence of course of coaching. So it, it runs I, both ways. I, I love it. And one of the things you've coached coaches all over the country in your organization. And I just wanted to get a sense of uh, with that, what's one of your favorite coaching success stories where you've worked with someone and, you know, whatever that challenge might be. And what's your favorite success story? Obviously not, you know, giving away the store and telling secrets about someone. I love to tell stories, but I never tell secrets. So what's one of your favorite coaching stories that you've worked with someone to get transformation and change in their lives in a positive way? I I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to behave badly because uh, as an, as a professional coach, mm-hmm. a relationship needs to have a start and stop ah. um, and in a tangible amount of time, but actually some of my favorite stories of people I've known for their lifetimes. So I've seen mm. them develop. So uh, I, one would be, for example, I work with uh, um, a lady when she was uh, quite a junior HR manager and was really struggling with, um, confidence, authority, and she went on to be the global CHRO, have a huge impact on her industry, um, 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 and just being able to. Uh, and we used to come together for coaching assignments at a reg- at irregular intervals through her career. So when mm-hmm. she was going through big transitions or whatever, she was brilliant, brilliant. Um, but that would be a that would be one of my favorites. So that's fascinating. I love it. And so how did you help her transform that, uh, that lack of confidence that she didn't think that she could do it? You know, what did you work with her? What were the conversations? What were the questions you asked to help her open up to inspire her so that she could see herself in that role down the road? A lot of be and a lot of inspire conversations in different tones, and different flavors over the years. Um, and then okay. at different levels in terms of uh, kind of questions. So early on, it would be the kind of questions we've talked about. So when uh, he was triggered, actually helping her um, uh, identify the trigger, how she'd responded to it, what are some of the fears that came up? Um, um, Because what you tend to get is in those trigger moments, if you coach it right, um, a lot of people's core self-doubts are are sitting under the surface. Um, And as I said, if you get them out on the surface, you can look at them rationally. Um, And the more you do that, the more you're breaking out of them. So a lot of B conversations early on, um, quite a lot of inspired conversations in terms of who do you want to be, um, what do you stand for, what are your values, what are your purpose. Um, and then those evolve over time. So, I mean, we've talked about the four coaching conversations, but actually if you look at the data, there are actually levels to it as well. So the mm-hmm. four conversations are the, the basic ones. But actually as you become, for example, as people become adept at becoming resourceful, um, then there usually is a conversation about authenticity becoming all you can be, um, which is there to have as a coach, for example, um, which was definitely true, 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 true for her. Love it. Absolutely love it. And so you were transformational in her life and helped her really move up the corporate ladder to achieve a level of success that she probably didn't see or wouldn't have achieved if you hadn't have been there to help her kind of hold her hand through the way. I, I think I was part, part of it rather than... I wouldn't claim all of it. <laughs> well, no, no, no. And that, and I hope I didn't come across that way. But to give that person the courage, the confidence to be able to excel, uh, that's really the goal of a coach. And that's clearly what you wanted to do. Excellent. That's why I think you and I love coaching. Absolutely, yeah. I love the, uh, the transformational moments. Uh, I love transformational leadership and coaching allows you to do that. I think it's, it's been one of the most influential and impactful tools I've ever developed in my life and you know i you know would you agree with that it, you know totally 
Totally agree. Yeah. I think it's hugely impactful. My biggest professional regret is I didn't learn it 25 years ago when I had the opportunity to do it and I poo-pooed it and then found it later and they go, this is my wheelhouse. Uh, so absolutely love it. So Jerry, if people wanted to contact you and to learn more about your company or uh, to find out one of your coaches, how's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, I'm probably best to go to our website. Um, okay. So the BTS website. Um, obviously, uh, if you're searching, look for BTS Consulting. Otherwise, you get a boy. Um, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, so BTS, being, BTS Consulting, very good. Unless you like Korean pop music. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Absolutely fascinating stuff. I love the concepts in the Four Greatest Coaching Conversations book. Uh, so any last thoughts that you would share with frontline supervisor to say, this is what you need to do to be a more effective or a better coach. I mean, I, it's, it's interesting writing the four conversations. Is I, I've talked about what you do in each of those situations and it's slightly nuanced. But honestly, the most important thing is to pick the moments. It mm. matters less what you do in them as long as you try and help and ask some questions. So if you can spot when is it that people are struggling, unresourceful, have made a mistake... Um, or, uh, or when people are struggling in a relationship, when people need direction, or when people are thinking about problems in a stuck way, then you'll have a huge impact. Um, then you can master the nuances of each conversation, but just spotting those moments um, and then having the conversation in the moment rather than waiting two weeks or a week to talk about it. That will be the one thing that makes the hugest difference. I love it. Picking the moment, seeing the struggle, and then helping them find their way out of that struggle is excellent. Well, Jerry, it has been my pleasure to have you on today. Coaching for Potential, great conversations, and I highly recommend the book. Continued success, my friend. Thanks, mate. Total pleasure. That was Rory's conversation with Jerry Connor. Good conversation, Rory. I loved it because he just had so many great analysis and ways to look at things. And I had never thought about breaking, you know, taking the conversations of coaches and then breaking them down and then actually looking at it from a perspective of which type of conversation it is. I'd always just tried to find out what people were doing and kind of break it down and go from there. And he actually broke it down into four conversations, which I think are just absolutely a terrific way to go about it. And it's just to grow as coaches, because now we can actually take our conversations and say, okay, what kind of conversation is this person leading into? Mm -hmm. And then you'll have a sense of, okay, what's the best way to guide them? What's the best way to approach it? And then how to uh, really help that person grow and and be and the thing that I really liked about his concept is he talks so much about the power of mindset. Mm -hmm. What's the mindset of your team member that you're working with? What's their their beliefs, their attitudes? And he talks a lot about emotions, which a lot of other coaches that teach coaching don't talk about emotions as much as he does. And he really talks about emotions. And I think that's really one of the keys uh, in the process. You know, there's going to be four basic conversations you have. You're going to have a B conversation. What is this person trying to be? A relate conversation. Is there someone that can help them or how do we relate or how can we help them relate? Then the think conversation, they're kind of stuck and they need to think about something, give them options or the inspire conversation where they need to kind of be recentered. Why are we doing this? Uh, as Simon Sinek wrote the great book, Start With mm -hmm. Why, the inspire conversation is basically taking people back and having them talk about the why. And I just think that's a great yeah. way to go about it. So 
It's the be conversation, the relate conversation, the think conversation, and the inspire conversation. And those are basically the four kinds of conversations you're going to have with folks when you're working with them in the workplace. And I just thought it was a brilliant way to break things down and make it simple, but uh, relatable to everyone. Well, I appreciate the fact that you continually reach out to other coaches. This is even international to Mm -hmm. uh, keep us all and the listeners even more informed about how to be a better coach. You could uh, be on this podcast and just continually tell your stories, but you're stretching yourself and us by giving us more resources. So thank you for doing that. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I just, I'm just absolutely enamored with this concept of coaching and I've mm-hmm. just fallen in love with it. And as you know, I'll know you've seen my library. I've got over 60 coaching books now, and I'm trying to reach out to a number of those folks and get them on the podcast so I can share their knowledge and their expertise and their wisdom. And it's just a great way to uh, make the podcast better. It's not just me and you having conversations, which those are great. I love those. We're just kind of uh-huh. expanding it, doing it a little bit different and, and see if we can add more flavor to the process. You got you know, it's just like a gumbo. You just got to add flavor. Yeah. Flavor. I like that. So everyone, everyone check out uh, Jerry's book, the four greatest coaching conversations. I looked at it, Amazon. It's only for two ninety five on your Kindle. $2.95. I mean, you're it's a doing, great book for three bucks. You're losing money if you don't get it, folks. So, um, <laughs> so do that. Now, if people want to have a great, one of the greatest conversations with you, how would they get a hold of you? Oh, that's a great question, Paul. Thank you for asking mm-hmm. that. They can go to RoryRoland.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-O-W-L-A-N-D.com. They can also send me an email at Rory at coachingmanager.university. So that's Rory at coachingmanager.university. Uh, just do a Google search for me. You'll find me. It just comes up easy. Uh, and I really should probably just start doing this as putting links to my podcast in the show notes. That would have been kind of a smart idea, don't you think? Yeah, good idea. So I think <laughs> I'll start doing that, and that way people can connect to me and make it, make life easy. Yeah. All right, we'll keep making life easier, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.